Hello and welcome to the Gypsam's Guide to Wellbeing at Work. I'm David Rogliade and I am delighted to be working with Gypsam's on this project, which aims to highlight the importance of wellbeing schemes in the workplace. We hope that this podcast series will act as a guide to setting up a workplace scheme of your own. Ensuring team members are trained and able to deliver a wellbeing scheme is essential. Emergency services require specialist support due to the stressful situations they experience whilst on duty. In this episode, we meet Ivan De from Gibraltar's Fire and Rescue Service and talk about some of the training initiatives they currently have in place. Ivan, thank you for your time today. You're welcome. For the benefit of our listeners, can you tell me a bit more about Gibraltar Fire and Rescue Service? The Gibraltar Fire and Rescue Service consists of um, 84 personnel we have at the, at the fire station. 60 of these are operational, which are the, the firefighters and fire officers who deal with incidents day in, day out. Uh, it's divided into three watches of, of 20 firefighters and fire officers, red, white and blue watch. Then we have the fire safety department, which consists of four officers. We have the fire control room operators who receive calls for uh, fire and ambulance, um, and there's nine of those to each watch. We have the empty section, where we have three mechanics who also do a lot of work around the station. Uh, The admin staff, which consists of four members of staff. And then we have the the four senior officers. So, total complement of of 84. Wow, and hugely diverse, right? (laughs) With a, an organisation such as the Gibraltar Fire and Rescue Service, which, you know, as you just told me, is so diverse, why is wellbeing so important? Well, we, we believe that, you know, a healthy workforce is a happy workforce, you know, so we have a, a duty of care to everybody within the organisation and this way they will be more productive. But the nature of the work that we do, especially in the, on the, on the emergency side, means that you know, well-being is even more important. You know, they need to be fully focused. They need to have clear minds for when they turn out to any of these emergencies. Firefighters, they can experience anything from a fire to a road traffic collision to rescuing somebody or recovering a body from a suicide. And these can be very tra- traumatic events. We also have our fire control room operators who receive calls, fire and emergency uh, are control room operators and they receive ma- many calls which can also be, be traumatic could be involved suicides and we get loads of uh, CPRs calls and they uh, do a TCPR which is telephone CPR which are, is, is the initial first aid you know where when you have a caller who's distressed on the other side so all these events can lead to CIS critical inc- incident stress or can lead to PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder uh, and therefore a good program of, of well-being is, is essential that is work-related but like in every part of life, there might also be personal problems. So they might bring personal issues into work, which could be family bereavements, family illnesses, marital issues. It's important that we offer them support so that they have the best state of mind to perform the job. So you mentioned uh, the program that you've got in place. Can you, um, for, again, for the benefit of our listeners or someone who's thinking about starting one of their own, some of the initiatives that you have in place? Yep. You know, first of all, We've been working on this for for a long time, and it's still work in progress, and it it will always be, you know, because the things that are changing. Years ago, it used to be called welfare, and now it's changed to well-being and and, and many aspects. Uh, And everything we do is not, you know, well-being is not just about counselling and and talking. It's about other initiatives, about having a good working environment, about people being happy, about having good communication, uh, listening. So, first of all, we are very fortunate within the GFRS to have uh, Alfred Rovenio, who's a firefighter, who's our well-being counsellor. He's very passionate about what, what he does, and he's been the, the main instigator of, of all of this. And his, his passion has rubbed off on, onto the workforce and onto uh, the senior management team, you know. So, 
We'll speak a bit more about Alfred later, probably. We have a well-being committee, used to be called the Consultative Committee, and the well-being committee is simply a group of representatives who sit down with myself and we discuss all different issues related to the workplace, uh, basically to make it a better workplace. It could be anything to do with facilities, with uniforms, with practices, and we just discuss and they propose and, and we look at ways of improving. So that's you know another aspect of what we do for, for well-being. Then within the training program itself, we have um, a series of lectures delivered by Alfred, and these have included things like stress in the workplace, PTSD and CIS, um, substance abuse, uh, managing stressful calls for our control room operators, things like active listening. Uh, we also do ASSIST, which is Applied Suicide Intervention Skills Training, also for our control room operators. More recently, we've been looking at uh, mental health first aid and about introducing uh, well- well-being champions. So that's another, an, an, another aspect. And then third aspect would be, you know, we're lucky, as I said, Alfred's a counsellor, so we have a referral system. So anybody who might be encountering a problem, be it work-related or personal-related, um, they can approach uh, Alfred and, you know, have a chat and diffuse a situation. It can also work the other way. You know, Alf, we might identify somebody and then we, we, we make that approach. And within this, um, confi- confidentiality is, is, is essential. So those are some of the things that we've done in, or we're doing in, in well-being. Well, that's a huge range of um, activity uh, uh, and training seems to form a really big part of it. Why is that? Yes, training is, is, is a big chunk of what we do in the GFRS. I would divide training you know, into, into, into different aspects. First of all, the actual nature of a job means that we have to have a certain operational readiness, you know. So we believe that if we train hard, then work, work becomes easy. And training, there's the physical aspects and there's and the te- technical aspects, you know, of, of what we do. Uh, as a firefighters, we have a collective responsibility to, to be ready physically, mentally, and technically. So our training program will, Im- will involve all, all of these. And our primary role is to save life, to save property, and to render uh, humanitarian services. So this is what we train for uh, in terms of knowledge and in terms of being able to apply this um, in, in, in our day-to-day. So firefighters and members of staff, they will train first as individuals to look after themselves and to protect themselves, but also to work part, as part of a, of a crew, of a watch, and ultimately uh, as part of the fire service as a whole. So what are some of the training programs that you run? Training programs... Um, once again, I would divide it into three main categories. First, we have the, the physical training program. Part of it is, is it forms part of the official training program. So they, they'll do physical fitness um, like Mondays and Wednesdays for an hour, an hour and a half. But we also have a, a gym, which, you know, also discussed with the well-being committee that we've developed over the years. And the gym is used by all members of staff during the lunch breaks or during stand-down time, basically to, you know, to create this level of, to have a good level of fitness and uh, uh, and have a fit workforce. Uh, many of our office, fire officers, or firefighters, you'll see them taking part in local sports, you know, football, basketball, volleyball, and so on. And many of them have taken part in World Firefighter Games, in Toughest Firefighter Live, representing uh, not only the, G- the GFRS, but also the British Fire Service. Recently, we had firefighters taking part in the Commonwealth Games. So, you know, it's the whole ethos about being fit and taking part in sport. It also helps in you know, teamwork and, and morale generally. Then the second aspect of training that we do, which is probably 80% of the training that we do, is, is the technical training, the operations training, be it uh, ladder drills, pump drills, rope rescue, dive rescue, uh, breathing apparatus, road traffic collision training, the command courses that we do, 
uh, within the fire safety department. They do a whole range of fire safety courses, fire investigation as well. And then our MT section, they do maintenance courses to maintain many of the specialized equipment that we have. Uh, so this forms, as you can imagine, the, the, the main bulk. And then the third category is where well-being comes in. So we, we have a well-being program where we have all the lectures that I discussed previously. Uh, and we also engage with, with outside agencies. And now, again, they come in uh, perhaps to deliver some talks. We've, we've engaged with gypsums in the past and they've come into the fire station. We're done with uh, dealing with domestic uh, abuse, for example, and basically engaging with, with other agencies. So that would be, you know, the, the global training program that we do. Um, you have mentioned the uh, Fire Services Wellbeing Champions. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about them? Yep, the, the Wellbeing Champions, uh, it's still currently work in progress. So we will be completing this on the 7th of September when we have the, the, the it's earmarked to have the final training day for Wellbeing Champions. And basically, this is Wellbeing Champions are composed mainly of firefighters. It could be experienced firefighters who've, who we've identified as having certain qualities, perhaps because they've been longer in the fire service. And basically, their role is to either identify those colleagues who might be encountering some problems, either work-related or not work-related, and approach them and offer them an opportunity to diffuse whatever problems they have or point them in the right direction. Or on the other hand, it can be that somebody who has a problem might approach them. They might not want to, not want to approach a line manager or, or an officer, so they'd rather approach a well-being champion and, you know, talk about whatever issues they, they, they may have. Do they receive any training? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. They, um, they do the mental health first aid course, which, um, where they receive a qualification. Uh, that, that is an essential part of the training. And then we have training days where they, we co- they cover areas such as active listening, which is very important to listen, not just to talk, but also to listen before you give any advice. Self-care, looking after your own, y- y- yourself as well. Touch upon things like grief and trauma, uh, and then the actual role of the well-being champion. So all this is covered in, within the training day. I know you obviously mentioned it's work in progress still, but what's been the response uh, like from staff? Generally, in terms of well-being as a whole, I think there's been a very positive response over the years. Once again, um, Alfred started all this many years back, and I think he has been responsible for removing many of the barriers and stigmas that that exist generally in in, in mental health and, and in well-being, and also within emergency services. You know, so it's, I've seen these barriers being removed over the years, and. Therefore, it makes people open out and, and approach whenever they've got uh, problems, which then makes it a, a healthier workforce in terms of uh, mental health. Other initiatives such as having like having good training facilities, good gym facilities, having a, a forum where they can discuss any issues that they may have, open forum where we you know, they can discuss anything and everything, and on improving the day-to-day um, life at the, in the workplace. Uh, I think has also been beneficial and, and welcomed by members of staff. Obviously, uh, with a service and organisation such as yours, uh, I can imagine scheduling or working around certain shift patterns being a challenge. How do you overcome some of those? That's right. There's a training programme. You know, so a training programme, as you say, we have shift patterns. So while you undergo a lot of training, which is scheduled, you've got to make sure that everybody is present and receives that, that, that kind of training. So while you might deliver a lecture on PTSD and CIS on, on any one shift, you might have 12 members of staff on, on duty, 
and you've got to make sure that um, you know everything's recorded so everybody uh, receives a, the, the same kind of training uh, and at the same time it's allocating uh, or, or you know apportioning the, the technical training that I discussed before to the um, things like well-being and so on and then you might have everything programmed and you get one of these days when it's a busy day and you get many call outs like we've heard now over the PA system um, so you know your training program goes to pieces and, and you've got to start again another day so flexibility right okay. absolutely, absolutely flexibility yes and, and, and organisation uh, finally um, what advice have you got for someone who's thinking of starting a well-being at work scheme of their own Definitely what I would say initially, not to be overwhelmed by the words, you know, words such as policies and strategies and initiatives and to start in small steps, you know, basically small steps, be it activities, be it meetings, be it discussing on how you can improve the general well-being in the workplace. It's nothing out of the ordinary, the same as you have good well-being at home, hopefully, you know, um, then the, the workplace might be, the departments might be slightly larger and the organization might be even larger. So take it in small steps at a time, be it activities and anything that creates a good well-being. Also not to reinvent the wheel. There's a lot of information out there on the web and a lot of support outside from agencies. So, you know, do some research, get organizations that are similar to yours, be it emergency services, financial industries, um, betting companies or whatever, and, and, and there's information out there. And then, as well, to focus on the positives. There will always be positives. There will be negatives, but there will be positives. And as you go building, uh, you know, building blocks, basically, then the, the positives will always outweigh the, the negatives. Okay. Well, thanks for your time today. Also, listeners, remember that if you need any more advice on starting your well-being scheme of your own, just check the Gypsams website at gypsams.gi. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much, and uh, may I also uh, commend Gypsams on the excellent work that they do and that they continue to do, and wish them all the very best for the future, and the GFRS will always be here to support them. Thank you for listening. In our next episode, we'll get some tips on how to measure the success of your well-being scheme. Remember, it's not too late to enter this year's Wellbeing at Work Awards. Find out all the information at the Gypsams website. Gypsams is a Gibraltar-based charity and confidential listening service for those individuals experiencing emotional distress. It exists to reduce the number of suicides and support people through tough times. Find out more at gypsams.gi.